We alive? Yep. Yep. All right. Good. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I've felt really um, a sense, a strong sense from God that um, this this won't be like a. I don't know what this will be. But I, I feel like we're supposed to soften our hearts uh, to his spirit. And I want to read something before we, before we go into it. Out of two Chronicles, I was just reading this this morning. Actually, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way? Amen. Oh, yeah, there's our giving. If you want to give, there you go. All right. Um, <laughs> is our offering message? I have a real sense that this morning um, I have like this holy holiness moment of like you know Zachariah with John the Baptist when he goes into the temple and you know he gets told you're going to have a son and you're going to bear a child and then he's like he doubts it and God quietens his mouth and it was this like basically God was going hey don't don't mess that up like I don't want you to mess this up and I, I, not in a pressure sense or a performance sense or anything like that, but I feel like a reverence of God and a, and a holiness of God over this, this moment. And really, I'm going to be quite challenging and maybe a little bit raw this morning, but I, I feel like as a church, whole, holistically, like, and I'm, I feel like I'm talking to converted people in, in this sense. I'm talking to the choir in one sense, in terms of like, I'm not trying to convince you guys that you think the Holy Spirit's not real or you don't believe in the Holy Spirit or anything like that. Like, mo I think most people in this church are all up for the things of the Spirit of God. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, but I, I have this sense in the Australian church as a whole, and this isn't like people don't love God or they don't love Jesus or they don't love his spirit or they you know any of that stuff but I do think that the the Australian church as a whole has has in some degree quenched the holy spirit and control is really fear masqueraded as wisdom Control is fear, and we masquerade it and we call it wisdom. Picture this you're in Israel in the year, you know, zero, and someone says, Hey, 
this 16-year-old's pregnant and she's not slept with anyone. That looks like sin to the rest of the world, yet it was God. And now I want to preface this with saying it doesn't have to look weird to be God. I love what Andrew said last week of Jesus in the mundane of life, of you know, having breakfast with Jesus is is so important. And you know, we 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 have just the mundane of our life. There's things, you know, you have to you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to have a shower, you have to go to the toilet. Like there's there's that's where I encounter God the most on the on the throne. Um, and and so you know, it's, it's, you have to do those, well, we're here, we have to sleep, we have to do the human things of life. But I want to propose that sometimes God will offend the mind to reveal what's in our heart and to see if we'll recognize his presence. Mary coming is highly, like Mary is, that's highly offensive. And the Pharisees had all their systems in place. They had all their church structures. They had all their temple ordinances and they had all their systems in place, which weren't evil. There were some that were obviously added in that weren't great. But then the Messiah comes and he says, I came to my own and my own did not recognize me. And I was talking with Shen and I was like a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about church and 2021 and and just Glory City and and we were just talking about and she said, you know, what are you sensing? What do you feel? What do you want? What are you thinking God's saying? All of these questions. And I I just started to unravel this of what I'm going to share with you guys. And I just started to say things like, you know, Saul was on the road to, he was on the road somewhere and he gets rocked by God. And he completely flips around 180 and he starts following Jesus. And I started to share about, imagine if Moses, if someone in here said, I had a conversation with Moses and Elijah last week (laughs) on a mountaintop with a pillar of cloud and smoke. It's like, that's pretty weird, right? Not that Moses, a different one. Most of the stories that we read about, and we have hindsight, we can like look back and go, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. But if you know you were kayaking at Lilydale Lake and a ghost came and said, hey, come out on the water, I want to talk to you, right? And he was Jesus. It's pretty weird. It's pretty strange. And I wanted maybe rock our Western church mentality this morning just a lot and say, are our hearts actually soft for the Spirit of God if He wants to come in a way that maybe isn't what we thought or think or could possibly imagine? It's like, you know, the moves of God of the old, like, I don't know if you know this, but like Salvation Army, the, Wes, the, the, Wes, uh, the, the what is it called now? It, it is still the Wesley, Methodist, the Methodist Church, the Wesleyan Church. Like those were all birthed out of very strange and powerful moves of God. The Baptists, like you, talk, you pick a denomination, they're all birthed out of these very unique, very strange move of, moves of God. The charismatic church, Pentecostal, like ACC Pentecostalism was like, man, the Azusa Street revival was, was bizarre. 
Like if you do your church history, it was like it brought, but it was incredible. It divided, it caused 1904, 1905, 1906. It caused a racial um, unity in America. Like, you know, blacks and whites came together like never before. It just did something very amazing in our world. And then out of that was the Pentecostal church was birthed. And um, I mean, just the way the church was birthed, tongues of fire on top of people's head, pretty strange. <laughs> You know, like, it's pretty weird. I want to read this um, and see if it reminds you of something. This is 2 Chronicles 5, verse 11. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests were present, had consecrated themselves with, with regard to their divisions, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, and Jonathan, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters, and it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise, in thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals, and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, he is steadfast, his love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Does that remind you of another time where there was 120? All in unison. Cloud by day, fire by night. I don't think that's a coincidence. Oh, it's 11.11. You can blaspheme God. You can blaspheme Jesus. You cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that. And I have this holy reverence right now of I don't want to quench his spirit. I don't want to quench his spirit. I, I don't want to be Michael like David and Michael or Michal or however you say. Does anyone, Jaleel, how do you, how do you say David's wife's name? Is it Michael? Michael? How do you say it? Michael? Michael? Am I doing it all right? Michael? She looked at David dancing naked before the Lord. Now, we're not going to do that today, all right? <laughs> but she looked from a distance and judged him because she wasn't aware of the presence of God. The Pharisees, Jesus comes and these, he heals a blind man on, on the Sabbath. He raises the dead. The Spirit of God moves and they just completely judge that this is the Lord. And people often say with great moves of God like Toronto, you know, does it, do people know Toronto, what happened in 1996 in Toronto? If you don't, it was weird. 
I, I heard this story. You know, for those that don't know a little bit of context, people were walking around like chickens and dogs, barking like dogs and walking around like chickens. That's strange. And there was this woman that went to Toronto. She's quite well known. So I, I'm just going to share. But, and she said, this isn't God. Why would God do this? This is too weird. God doesn't do this. She's like, where is this in the Bible? This isn't even in Scripture. People say that, have said that to me, Eileen, that's not in the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're not in the Bible either. <laughs> and I get what they're saying. I understand. I, I believe in the Word of God and we have a high value for truth. But we worship in spirit and in truth. And she goes back into a hotel room and she's praying. She's like, God, this, this, this is not you. This is demonic. This is, this is the devil. And God takes her to Isaiah 35, I thought, 20, 25. I can't remember exactly where it is. And it says this, something to this effect. It says, I'm awaking the sleeping slumber of the dogs to warn and bark off the enemy. It's in the book. <laughs> it's in the book. Oh, there's are my prophetic words. And so she's like, all right. I need to humble myself before the Lord. Now, were there things maybe that happen in moves of God? Are there things that happen where people take it to extremes and the flesh gets in the way? Absolutely. That happens. Even the greatest teacher of our day, Jesus, missed one. But I tell you what, any parent knows this. When you child-proof your house, when you try and protect your children from every little thing that happens, they actually start to go, there's no bravery. There's no pioneering that takes place. Why? Because you child-proofed it in a way that kids can't explore and have adventure. It's like, let them go on the swing in that way. Will they fall off and maybe break their arm? Yeah, that might happen. But in order for a sense of adventure and a sense of wonder and a sense of things for, for children to explore, their need, I'm not talking about like stupidity, okay? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Adam and Eve, they didn't, God didn't child-proof it. He didn't, oh, no, 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 don't, no, 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 no. Oh, and I just wonder how often we have gone, oh, that's not God. Shut that down. Let's control that. Hey, let's put barriers in place for that never to happen again. Uh, oh, that person gave a prophetic word and it was wrong. So now we've got to shut down prophecy altogether. I'm just giving an example. And it's like, no, 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 we, we need to correct that, and that's right, but we actually don't shut it down. We actually teach it correctly, and then we go again. 
you know, and we just, we go after it. And I, I, you know, I just ponder, I just ponder like, I know people are like, what are you getting at? I don't know. We're just, we're just, <laughs> this is what I've got. I just want his spirit. I want his power to come. I want his spirit. I want this not to be the only time. If you have an intimate session, who's in the room? I've got to care for kids. If you have an, in, we're good, I can let loose. If you have an intimate session with your spouse and you have an intimacy with God twice a year, You know, churches, we do, oh, let's have an encounter night. And we have an encounter night with God. Maybe we'll do it twice a year on a Sunday night and it'll be an extended time of worship. It's like, imagine, you, 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 you know, you're having a, a, an intimate time with your wife and it's like, we do this twice a year, Sunday nights, and we'll go for 30 minutes and then we'll stop and we'll do notices. We'll talk about the kids and what's coming up next week. <laughs> now, I get the practicals of life. Shannon and I, we have to do that. We have to talk about, hey, what are you doing next week? Okay, you're working this, you're working that. You've got to pick the kids up. You know, you've got to do that. That's a norm, that's normal part of life. But this Sunday morning has to translate to this isn't here so I can have a microphone and just talk at you. This is here to equip with us in being aware of the presence of God. Saul, the greatest murderer in the Old Testament, had one encounter with the presence of God and it changed him. I would rather have the presence of God here and me not, and no one have to talk to anything and someone comes in the back door and they're like, oh, I don't know what's different about this place, but God's here. God filled the temple and the priests, two of the priests, you and I, couldn't stand. We're the new covenant priests. We're the 120 in the upper room and God falls like fire. By the way, amazing story, hey, that Babylon opened uh, when um, in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel, God scattered their tongues so they couldn't understand them. In the new covenant, he brings them all together so everyone can understand because it's one God, one nation, one language under heaven. Because he's about the is about reconciliation, right? And the heavens are opened, and he says, "I pour out my spirit on all flesh." He didn't say that and then stop. It wasn't like I pour out my spirit and then now it's not happening anymore because it's two thousand years. It says the train of his robe fills the temple. Well, if I walk from that end of the from that door out to that door, and I have a robe, it continues to walk through the temple. The robe continues to flow through the temple. Hmm. Just going back to Toronto, the fruit that has come out of that ministry, there's a man named Leif Hetland. This wasn't in my notes, by the way. This is, I'm, just, I'm just trying to provoke us this morning. Leif Hetland has, has seen over a million Muslims come to Christ, personally. There's another little itty-bitty lady called Heidi Baker. 
who's seen over 3,000 churches planted in Mozambique and hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. Sam and Cam and others have been there and ministered with Heidi. And I had the, we had the privilege of, of praying with Heidi and, and Ben Fitz and that when awakening was happening in this tiny hotel room, no bigger than this carpet mat. And when she walked in the room, I was like, oh man, this woman carries God. Like, she's scary in a good way. But I was like, I've not met, like you look into her eyes and I'm like, oh my goodness, your eyes are so pure, so clear. And it like freaked me out. (laughs) Bill Johnson has an encounter at Toronto that changes the course of their whole church. Randy Clark, seen over millions of people healed, raised from the dead, blind seeing, eyes. It's like, and those are just the people we know about. You know, Lisa's dad was there and heaps of people you talk to, they're like, yeah, it was flipping weird. It was strange, but it was God. And we've got to be okay with the, we've got to be uncomfortable with the mystery of like, I can't explain that, but it's God. But I recognize that presence. I recognize that person. I recognize that touch. I recognize that feeling, that, that encounter, and it, it's, it's, that's God. I mean, imagine someone came to you today, right? Just imagine someone says, how was your weekend? And they said, oh, I was... I was out on the Lillardale Lake and I was just pondering life and there was 5,000 people there that needed food and I took the little kid's lunch that he'd got from his mum and dad and it was an orange juice and donuts and God fed them all. (laughs) Right? I think sometimes we have more faith in the devil tricking us than we do in God showing up in a strange way. We're like, oh, I don't want to be tricked by... It's like, well, that looks weird. That looks almost demonic. And so I'm just going to call it demonic. I've shared this story here with before, but just for repeat's sake, for those that haven't heard it, when Shen and I were at Bethel, there was a girl that used to howl in a church service like a dog. And I was offended. I thought, this is really weird. I'm okay with, I don't care, you can cartwheel, you can roll on the floor, you can shake and twitch, I don't care, I've seen it before. You can fall down under the Spirit of God, you know, backwards, forwards, sideways. You can dance, spin on your head, I couldn't give a rip. Whatever you want to do with God, I'm comfortable with that. Then this girl starts howling in worship like a dog. And I'm like, would you shut up? Like, this is annoying me. This, you're distracting my time with God. <laughs> and the long story short, the next year, a friend of ours, um, Amy, who some of you know, was in her group. And this woman had been 
drastically tortured and abused by her uncle um, in a really bad way. Tied up in, the, in a dog kennel outside, out the back. And God delivered her for nine months and she was completely changed. Her whole countenance was changed. She never howled again during worship. She said for nine months, God was delivering her of all the torment, of all the torture, of all the demonic, of all the abuse, of all that. And he freed her. She was completely free. Now, can God do it in an instant? Absolutely. We believe that. But God did it in his gentle, fathering way. She was completely free. And I stood back and went, oh, bugger. I'd done the Michal thing and judged from a distance and called it demonic when it was the Lord. And I never bothered to walk up and say, hey, what's going on for you? Do you know the way, the easiest way that you, if you're like in this place where you're like, oh, I, don't want, I don't want to be tricked though. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be like, attach myself to something that maybe is demonic. Do you know the devil can't create? He only counterfeits authentic. He only counterfeits the authentic. That's why he says, do not be drunk on wine but be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't tell me, Acts 2, people talking in other languages, people were like, they're drunk. If a German guy was here and a French guy, and they're talking German and talking French, none of you would say they're drunk. You'd be like, they're talking German and French, and we just can't understand them. Well, I could understand German, but I couldn't understand French, right? So... <laughs> That is not what someone goes, oh, there's a couple of Russian guys talking. They must be drunk. You, that's not a normal response. Well, they might be drunk. <laughs> They're probably drunk now. I love the Russians. <laughs> God bless them. Very good. I'm trying to think of a, a race that doesn't... The Scottish, no, no. <laughs> um, something was happening in the upper room that was weird. That thousands of people in Jerusalem at that time are going, these guys are drunk. And Peter says, listen guys, it's nine o'clock. We're not drunk as you suppose, but this is God. God's doing something right now. Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. What's the point? Drunk people lose their inhibition. Their inhibition. They don't care. Drunk people don't care. They're like, I don't care what you're saying. I'm having a well of a time. <laughs> Right? And when you're so intoxicated with the Spirit of God and you're so filled up with the Spirit of God, it doesn't mean you go around and start doing like trashing stuff, but you're more effective within the intoxication of this Spirit of God than you are trying to figure it out in our Western mindset and coming up with good strategy. 
It's, it's like, oh, the streets of Frankston can't be reached. One guy says, yes, they can. Revival's breaking out in Frankston. With the broken, the hurting, the lost, the most disadvantaged kids in that, generation, in that area. And one man goes, yeah, we've got to do something about this. But he doesn't have this great strategy. He's like, I'm just going to show up and I'm intoxicated on God. And God's doing something. And I just want to ask this question. Are our hearts... Oh, I can't talk. Our, our hearts... Soft. Go to Matthew 5, actually. Verse 2 says, And he opened his mouth, taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying God now has to show up because it's like, oh no, oh no, are we, if we say yes to this, are we going to bark like chickens? No, I'm not. <laughs> that, that's, that's not what I'm saying, right? Cluck like chickens, bark like dogs. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is are our spirits poor in spirit so that if his presence comes, which I hope we're expecting that, that we don't shut it down and call it wisdom when it's really control masqueraded as fear. I was talking with Lise on the phone about this during the week and I think we both at the same time went, oh yeah, this scares me a little bit. Because the Romans and the Jews of old thought that the Messiah was, was going to come in a military takeover and he just didn't come like that. He came in a way as a humble servant performing miracles and signs and wonders and blowing their religious boxes to pieces. And I just want us, I want us to go on a journey together as ourselves of like, if we say yes in our spirit, That does he really inhabit the praises of his people? Or does he just visit? And I'm saying this to Shen, and I was like, I, I, really, I really just don't want to do church. I'm just not interested in, in doing church. I want to do fellowship. I want to do community. I want to hang out. I want to worship our King. But if His presence doesn't show up, if He doesn't walk into the room, if He doesn't walk in, and if we don't host Him well, if Jesus' presence is in the room, and we're just so interested in our 
our run sheet, then I'm not, I'm, someone else can have this role. But I want us as a, as a community, as a, as a body, this might mean, you know, it's like this Sunday morning is great. It's not evil. It's not bad. But it's not the high point of Christianity. This has to translate. Jalil and I talk about this often. Do you know all of you in here have a church? It's called your family. You have a micro, a micronism of this. We were pray, we we Thursday night. We struggled to get it get it going, but we tried Thursday night with the kids just to spend time in his presence. <laughs> they were interested in other stuff, but. All revival is, Alira asked me, she said, Dad, what's revival? And I said, it's an awakening of the dead things that have come back to life where there's his spirit of God gets to be the spirit of God. And we worship in spirit and in truth. And the sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God. So I want our hearts to be softened. And we're just going to wait on him right now. Yeah, we're good. Is it is it you following? That was a bit. I know that might be. Well, like, what's this kind of a vision? What kind of vision is that? It's like that's the vision. That's the vision. I really believe that God's doing something right now. In here and in the world where he's shaking the foundations of... You, you, you can worship worship. You can make an idol out of house church. You can make an idol out of big church. You can make an idol out of what, you know, stadium ministry. It, it does... God's not... I don't think God's as much interested in the structure as he is in the wine that it... He's not so much interested in the wineskin, which is important, but he's interested in the wine. The wine is the thing that he's so for. I'm going to pour out my wine. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And we're like, we're so in the Western world, we're like, oh, what kind of a structure do you use? Do you use this structure? Do you use this model? What kind of, are you a house church? Are you a big church? Are you a Sunday morning church? That's, I don't know, I'm just, I'm yuck. I don't care, be a house church, be a Sunday morning, be on Friday, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter, people are like, oh, you can't do church on Sunday? Got to be Friday night. It's the same. <laughs> You've just changed the date. <laughs> it's like we're focused so much on the structure and the systems that we've missed the presence of God. It's about Him. It's about Jesus, and it's about His. Now, I'm, I, I'm, I love. I'm not throwing that stuff out. 
But I want his presence. And that means it's going to look messy. You know, it could look messy. I said this a couple of years ago. I'm like, graveyards, man, they're, they're in order. But there's not much life there. And nurseries is a lot of life. But there's a lot of pooey nappies and screaming going on. But I'll take that over a religious system that's dead and the presence of God doesn't show up. And if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see a spirit of God transform Frankston and Lilydale and Ringwood or wherever, and we're going to see our families come to know Christ, it can't be human reasoning in ways that seem right to a man. It has to be, I was on a donkey and I got smacked off it and I encountered God and I'm changed. It has to be, I was dead in a tomb and someone came and touched my tombstone and I rose from the dead. Twelve years I've been going to doctors and I touched this Jewish man's garment and I'm healed. God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. He will do it. It's what he did with Jesus. He offended the religious system. He offended their minds. The problem with believers isn't in here. It's between the two ears. And I just believe we as a church need to actually say, are are we willing to go there? Are we willing to be poor in spirit? And wait on him. I had no idea. This, like, I've just, whatever. <laughs> but I just want to wait on his spirit. I know we've, we've gone for a bit, but again, who cares? What else have you got on this afternoon? You, you might have important stuff. That's not. I've got a wedding to go to now. <laughs> so as I was pondering this, I. For next year and beyond, I, we want to place a massive emphasis on the homes. Uh, the Glory Homes have been amazing this year and we want to continue them because this, you, can re, you can't reproduce this everywhere. But you can reproduce sons and daughters in your home. And I said this to one of our team members, I said, I'm not interested in making disciples. I'm interested in making sons and daughters and discipleship's a part of that. I know Jesus said, go and make disciples. I'm not throwing that out. Don't blaspheme me, all right? Don't throw stones. But he's a father who has a husband who's coming back for a bride not to have well-disciplined people, which discipline's a part of it. We need discipline. But you give me five sons who know who they are and they'll change the world over a hundred disciples who are just well disciplined and can tick the church box. Lovers will always get more work done than workers will. And he's interested in making sons and daughters who are healthy, who can become healthy mothers and fathers, who can make healthy sons and daughters, who can be healthy mothers and fathers who can make healthy sons and daughters. He's a father coming back for his children. He's not coming back for a business or a 
He's coming back for a family. And so I want us... That means church next year could look different. Who knows what he's going to do. But I want to hold it in a place of, God, this is yours. Do whatever you want to do. And if it looks messy, I'm in. I'm in. So Holy Spirit, come right now.